I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my big bag of onions. The cough made to California, broken hearts and bars unknown. And through this night we'll share a lover On that dark radio Had a soul made me so lonely Hands pressed cold against the phone The young stars descending right ahead We in the West, who are not fundamentalist, need to look at what we've done wrong, such that fundamentalism has been on the rise. This is not to excuse the Taliban or Sarah Palin or any of those people whatsoever, but it is to say that we of progressive Western values need to look at what we've done wrong so as to provoke this kind of reaction, and I think we've done a lot wrong. The rampant consumerist culture that suggests that he who dies with the most toys wins, suggests that that's the purpose of life, that a kind of atomized race to global capitalism is going to solve all of our problems, is understandably going to provide a kind of backlash. And I think a lot of the move towards fundamentalism in different cultures is an attempt to say, no, actually, I, I want my life to mean something more than that. I want to be guided by certain ideals of the way the world should be. If we don't recognize that impulse, and if we continue to see fundamentalists either as, say, Dawkins, Hitchens, they're just simply irrational idiots, if we look at them that way, or if we look at them as cowardly, weak-kneed people who can't understand how to live in the modern world and they're sort of grasping at old straws, we are lost because the criticism of consumers' contemporary culture is in many ways a valid one. Hello, my chum. It's me and I'm banging on your door. It's been far too long since we set the leaves alight down on the floor I've returned for a while to the concrete that once claimed my knees And the stones my hands owned as I set them toward windows and trees Towering trees Towering trees There are bangers in the wheelie bins Laser pens shone through the glass And BB after BB fired From behind the wall beyond the grass And the boots met my face And knuckles cracked me black as coal 
care not for the mindless who poked fear at my sorry soul. My soul, my soul. This is Subutio from 2010's Boots Met My Face by Glasgow-based band Admiral Fallow. Lead singer and main writer Louis Abbott said this, All of my songs document the first chapter of my life, be it memories from school or kicking a ball about with my childhood chums. All are taken from real-life events. There's no fiction. I'm not into making up stories or characters for the sake of trying to stir emotions. They are all songs about friends and family, as well as a fair bit of self-evaluation. My sense of it amongst the developmental psychologists and developmental neurobiologists is they think that there is a really significant genetic component, but that depending on the kind of environmental support, it can be modified. We, of course, are very interested in the notion of free will. And free will has to do with that capacity that allows us to make decisions such that we can be held responsible for those decisions. But notice then that that concept or that expression, free will, is really a mashup of two things. One is a descriptive component about whether you had the capacity, which I assume is a neurobiological capacity, to act in a controlled manner. And the other part of it is the social aspect. Should you be under these conditions held responsible? My feeling is that the second part we should, just for this discussion, put to the side. And that's something that's extremely important and it needs to be talked about in the context of law and neuroscience and philosophy. But I'm really interested in what we can find out and what we know about the underlying circuitry. What's the difference between a brain that does have a capacity for self-control and one that does not? And when conditions change, what changes in the brain that allows someone to exercise impulse control or to fail to exercise it? These are the golden onions.
that you can eat of milk and honey you'll declare. You'll be the brightest star the world has ever seen. Sunbaked slender heroin, a film and The jet set life you could never dream. Your pale blue eyes, strawberry hair, lips are sweet, skin so fair. Your future bright beyond compare. Natalie Merchant was the lead singer of the Ten Thousand Maniacs, which formed in 1981. And she had made seven studio albums with them by the time she left the group in 1993. She emerged from the studio two years later with her first solo album called Tiger Lily, which kicked off with this track called San Andreas Fault. The album was a critical and commercial success, spawning her first top 10 hit and two further top 40 singles, and would go on to sell over five million copies, making it her most successful album to date. San What is interesting about population is that at the end of the 20th century we saw tremendous changes, which are going to follow through over the 21st century. And basically, our population is changing in size; it's growing very rapidly. We currently have about seven billion people on the planet. That has probably doubled in the lifetime of most adults in this country. It is going to increase, we think, to around about 10 billion, and then it'll probably flatten out. It's changing in its density. We're all becoming far more urban. Currently, we have about half the world's population living in an urban area. That will increase to 75% by the middle of the century, and to about 80 to 90% by the end of the century, when nearly everyone on the planet will be living in an urban area. Distribution of population is changing. We're becoming mobile in a different way. Traditional migration patterns are changing. Who migrates is changing. Where they migrate. And probably, I think one of the greatest challenges is a massive change in the age structure of the population. In so much as across the world, women are having less children, and as a consequence, 
as we're also living longer, the age composition of our population is changing. So, for example, by the middle of the century, for the very first time, there will be as many old people as there are young people on this planet. We have some very, very good demography databases. The United Nations, for example, nowadays has a pretty good collection of population statistics, but they vary. Uh, some countries, the database from which the UN can draw its statistics, obviously the statistics are not as good as in other countries. people, the name Bruce Hornsby probably conjures up the huge hit he had 32 years ago with The Way It Is, which had a piano riff that got right under the skin of UK residents when it was used by BBC Grandstand for the background music for the highlights of recent football matches. Well, he's made about 20 excellent albums of hard-driving, piano-dominated jazzy rock in the meantime, and still tours hard, playing to big crowds. One onion to another, just like that. 
we seem to have drifted into a situation where the family can mean whatever anybody wants it to mean. In particular, there are two things. One is what you might call the degendering of parenthood. The other is the cut-off, the delinking of biology, biological parenthood from having children. So I stuck to what seems a very unimaginative kind of concept of the family, modelled on many mammal species, that it consists of a male and a female and their joint offspring. And it turns out that's a very controversial view to hold. We seem now to have the idea that motherhood and fatherhood aren't necessarily connected, motherhood with being a woman or fatherhood with being a father. It's important, it looks insignificant, but it's having quite a dramatic impact on family law across the Western democracies as uh, everybody is rushing in the field of family law to changing laws so that you are getting rid of the old assumptions about who's a mother, who's a father, who should be on a child's birth certificate, who should bring those children up. Take the family issue as a whole and its link with personal relationships, marriage, continuity. You do find deep philosophical and ethical questions arising. I think that a lot of people use a kind of cost-benefit arguments when they're discussing the issue. This could be considered philosophical because it's considered utilitarian. It's a god of a small affair to the girl with the mousy hair For the mommy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go But her friend is nowhere to be seen Now she walks through a sunken dream To the seat with the clearest view And she's hooked to the silver screen the film is a saddening ball For she lived it ten times or more She gets bit in the eyes of fools As they ask her to focus on sailors Fighting on the dance hall Oh man, look at those came and go It's in the freaky show Take a look at the long man beating up the wrong guy. Oh man, wonder if he ever knows. He's in the best-selling show. He's alive on Cecily Norby is a jazz and rock singer who was born in Fredericksburg, Denmark in 1964. She grew up in a musical family. Her father, Eric Norby, is a classical composer and her mother, Solvig Lumholt, is an opera singer. She was a founding member of various rock and jazz rock bands in the 1980s and during the 1990s she turned to jazz and released her first solo album. She now has 10 albums to her name and has sprinkled a fair few tasteful cover versions across them. But the film is a sin and bold Cause I wrote it ten times or more 
it's about to be read again As I ask you to focus on sailors Fighting in the dance hall Oh man, look at those came and go It's in the freaky show Take a look at the low man Beating up the wrong guy Oh man, wonder if he ever knows He's in the best-selling show It's a life on Mars If someone or an animal can display deferred gratification, that is deferring a smaller value now for something greater later, if they can maintain a goal despite distraction, if they can suppress impulses that are inappropriate, if you're a predator, for example, you mustn't rush at your prey too soon, and if you can cancel an action once started when you see that following through with the action would be a disaster. I think that addiction, which of course has been very closely studied both in humans but particularly in the brains of rodents, addiction is an example where there are structural changes to the reinforcement learning system that actually change the behavior with respect to the drug in question. And so impulsivity will be shown there. But notice that even drug addicts can be very careful and organized when it comes to a particular goal, namely getting their drug. So this actually has prompted some neuroscientists to wonder whether some of these features of self-control are actually dissociable. We tend to think of self-control or free will as a sort of single capacity disposition. And it does look like they can come apart. Here's more onions. African plains before they lay them to waste and only the bones remain Wouldn't it be poetry to shoot holes in the poachers we see Fall into the sea 
Vivian Ballou performing an acoustic rearrangement of his own pop song, Men in Helicopters. Now, just take a look at the curriculum vitae this guy has got. In 1977, while playing in a bar in Nashville, Adrian Ballou was discovered by Frank Zappa, for whom he recorded and toured for a couple of years. Then he was poached by David Bowie, for whom he also recorded and toured for a couple of years. He then joined the Talking Heads, who loved his wild and unorthodox guitar soloing. He recorded an album and toured extensively with them. Then he joined the reformed King Crimson at Robert Fripp's request. Meanwhile, he had a solo career, releasing more than a dozen crafted albums, often playing all the instruments himself. And he was in some other bands, and he was a sought-after session and guest musician too. What a guy. The lists included maggots, flies, food that had gone off, people who were behaving in unhygienic ways, for example, throwing dirty hankies on the floor or not flushing the toilet after them. But it extended also to people who were behaving in immoral ways. So we found in India, for example, people thought that kissing in public was disgusting. We did a, a sample in Athens International Airport, and the most disgusting thing people said was American politicians. It was the time of George Bush, for example, that they thought was disgusting. So a very, very broad range of disgusting things. If I show you something disgusting in a jar, and you pull the lid off and have a sniff at it, you're going to feel in a particular way. Your gut is going to churn, probably. You're going to pull a distinctive face, which is a kind of, you pull up your top lip. You're very likely to make this sound, which is pretty much common throughout the globe. But more important than all of those things, you're actually going to stop and go, I don't want to touch that thing. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to touch it. I certainly don't want to eat it. And it's that behavioral reaction, ultimately, that defines disgust for me. Disgust is a system in your brain that biases your behavior to stop you coming into contact with things that might make you sick. from 
Chumbawamba were a British band that formed in 1982 and broke up in 2012. Their musical style constantly shifted and drew upon genres such as punk rock, pop, folk and experimental. They exhibited an irreverent attitude towards authority and they took stances on issues including animal rights, pacifism, the class struggle, feminism, gay liberation and anti-fascism. This track, Amnesia, was the second single from Jumbawamba's 1998 hit album, Tub Thumper. Its lyrics address the sense of betrayal that English leftists felt during the rise of new labour. A lot of people won't get no justice tonight. Do you suffer from long-term memory loss? I don't remember. Do you suffer from long-term memory loss? I don't remember. Do you suffer from long-term memory loss? It's all about the onions, you know. We're now sophisticated enough in our analysis that we can pretty well get the trends right, but we often underestimate the pace. So if I say that there are three main contributors to population, two big drivers, one is falling fertility, that's falling childbearing, and one is falling mortality or falling death rates, we can pretty well project those forward but, as in the past, we quite often get the timing wrong. The third one is migration, and that's extremely difficult. And that's because, obviously, year by year, month by month, day by day, people are making decisions and those decisions change. And as a consequence, where they live and where they move to, it's much, much more difficult to estimate that. But if we put migration aside for a moment, although we have a lot of theoretical perspectives on where and how and why people move, we can say that in terms of falling fertility, the decisions women across the world make to reduce their childbearing and in terms of falling mortality that's death both across the life course and extending our longevity because we're living longer and longer we can pretty well say from the data we have at the moment that these trends will probably continue. So globally there are going to be more old people around the further you go into this century? Absolutely. Too long, too long, too long, too long. 
The Gladiators are a Jamaican roots reggae band active from 1966 to the present day, but most popular during the 1970s. They released 24 studio albums between 1976 and 2009. This is Streets of Freedom from 1982. Roots reggae came under pressure in the 1980s from a new type of reggae called raga that used drum machines, samplers, synthesizers and organs which made it easier and cheaper to produce than reggae performed on traditional musical instruments. human animal flourishes best in a certain kind of biological unit, one that transcends generations, for example, as the family does, and so gives us a sense of the past and the future. It helps us actually to come to terms with our own mortality. In the book that I wrote, I prefaced the whole book with a Chinese proverb, which I found quite striking. To forget one's ancestors is to be a brook without a source, a tree without a root. I'm not a social scientist myself, but I've looked at a lot of the social science research. There is actually no dispute on the empirical question that as far as children are concerned, the best setting is actually two parents of the opposite sex who are married to each other. That is, they have made that commitment. And the people who've done these sorts of comparisons look at quite straightforward issues like how they do in education, health, continuity in their personal lives. Cohabitation, for instance, very much more the norm now, doesn't produce such good results as far as the children are concerned. And the number of years that the various kinds of living together last are quite strikingly in favour of marriage. This time the 
This is Love Again by Snow Poet, taken from their second album, Thought You Knew, which offers a delicately haunting collection of songs that seamlessly straddle the boundaries of folk, jazz and popular music, and are all infused with a subtle poetic delivery. Singer and main composer Laura Kinsella's mellifluous voice is like a cross between the late Sandy Denny and the Cocteau Twins' Liz Fraser, and this amalgam makes for a truly unique vocal presence. This song, Love Again, encapsulates all that is good about this album, a perfect balance of Chris Heisen's instrumentation juxtaposed with angelic vocals. food tower where the rat can come into the area, poke his nose on a button, he'll get a pellet. Put in a second food tower. If he goes to the second one instead of the first and pokes his nose on the button, he gets five pellets. Well, 
that's a good idea. But now what Trevor Robbins does in order to test for deferred gratification is he introduces a delay between when the rat nose pokes and when the pellet comes down. And the question was, can rats learn to do this? The answer is very interesting. Some rats will wait and they will wait and wait and other rats cannot. Now a different kind of test is can rats cancel an action they've started? So you have your food tube, the rat goes in and pokes his nose and gets a pellet. The rat is trained so that if he hears a tone, he stops. Then you can figure out how close can the rat get and still stop. And the answer is some rats can get really close, the nose is right up there, and some rats cannot which I think is very interesting because it means that not all of these four markers are exactly the same disposition but differently expressed. They actually have different underlying circuitry. I find that amazingly interesting. It teaches us something we couldn't have known by introspection. You could introspect till the cows come home and you wouldn't find out whether in your brain the circuitry for deferred gratification is the same or different from the circuitry for impulse control. You go, oh, it's not there. shaking yet but you might prove them wrong even long shots make it so go This is Don't Come Home Too Soon, a single released by Scottish band Delamitri to mark the Scottish football team's qualification for the 1998 World Cup in France. It reached number 15 in the UK singles chart. Lead singer Justin Curry copped a lot of criticism for releasing what many saw as the musical equivalent of a white flag of surrender before Scotland had even kicked a ball. But considering the team's track record, it is no surprise he was maudlin and knew the jig was already up. Scotland went out in the first round. Even long shots
We have to be careful how we define old people because currently at the moment we tend to take a very old view which is that 60, 65 is when people go into old age and a lot of that is based on historical decisions to have 65 as a state pension age in Europe. Now when 65 was chosen as the state pension age by Bismarck in the middle of the 19th century, half the European population was dead by 45. If you got to 65, you really were old. Now, half the European population has a really good chance of making it to 85. And if we look at the health status of European populations in particular, but also obviously North America and Australia, most OECD populations, Japan, Korea, for example, we can say that we are pushing back the onset of the disabilities associated with old age, so much so that by one statistic, the health profile of a 70-year-old man today is very similar to his father's when his father was in his late 50s. So in one generation, we really have pushed back the onset of disability. And that means we've had to redefine old age. And I think really old age probably now starts for many people sometime in their 70s, or even some people are arguing now that we are able to work until we're 70, and therefore old age probably is our late 70s or early 80s. This is a song called Forgiven, Not Forgotten, which was the second single taken from the 1995 album of the same name by Irish folk rock and pop band The Cause, who were three sisters and one brother from Dundalk near the border with the North. The album reached number two in the UK chart, although this song, rather bafflingly, only managed to reach 155 in the singles chart. 
They were churning out this mainstream rock with its unselfconscious dollop of Irish traditional music from 1990 till 2006, before taking 10 years off to spend the money and work on solo projects. Onion is as onion does. The general themes of all of the things we find disgusting everywhere on the planet are the same. In fact, there's seven different types of disgust which you find in every culture in the world. Anthropologists have usually harped on about the differences that there are. Mary Douglas, for example, starts with her theories about disgust from the differences that you find between cultures. I don't. I start from the universality of disgust and its universal task that it has to play. We all, everywhere on the planet, share these basic themes of the things that we all find disgusting. There are no cultures where poo, for example, is something that people like. There are no cultures where sharing bodily fluids, except for a few, a few people, who you make an exception to is something that is acceptable or good manners in any culture in the world. But there are differences. Disgust is a system which teaches you what to learn. So it teaches you that a rat is probably something disgusting. But if you're in a culture like in the Netherlands, for example, where a rat is a sweet little pet and every time you meet a rat, nobody pulls a disgust face. Everyone goes, oh, how sweet. Then perhaps disgust doesn't apply to a rat in certain cultures. The same for meats. There are different sorts of meats that are taboo in different cultures. The human animal actually taboos every sort of meat. We don't eat the vast majority of meats we don't eat. We only have a little window that allows us to eat the things that our mothers fed to us because meats are highly suspect. They're likely to be absolutely full of microbes in an ancient society with no refrigeration. You want to be extremely careful about what meats you eat. Founded in London in 1977, post-punk art rockers, the Psychedelic Furs, found commercial success 
1981 with an album called Talk Talk Talk, which yielded two singles in the UK, the second of which was Pretty in Pink, the inspiration and theme tune for the 1986 John Hughes film of the same name. Their first single was this song, Dumb Waiters, although this live version is from a tour in 2000 when the band reformed after an eight-year hiatus. The old population pyramid is changing. In the old days we had this idea of a real pyramid. This was fuelled by lots and lots of births at the bottom and these were young people who would come into our societies and drive our economies. Now as you have less children and in particular if you live longer then you go eventually into a skyscraper and if you model the current population of advanced economies, we've actually more or less reached the skyscraper. But in some countries where fertility has fallen very dramatically, like Japan or Korea, they're almost in a vase shape. So the first thing we say is that aging societies has less people coming into their societies to drive their economies. So much so that the OECD, for example, has recently shown that OECD countries Within, I don't know, around about 2017 or so, there will be more people leaving the labour market in OECD countries than coming into it. When you put that together with the other side and say, if we're going to still have people retiring in their 50s or 60s and then living long, long lives, we have the kind of society that we may have reduced the child dependence, but we're dramatically increasing the older dependence. We've got to look at that section of life in two ways. Why are healthy, active people in their 50s and 60s leaving the labour market? And if we enter a situation where even if people are working till they're 70 and don't become frail till they're 85, if you then have 20 years of frailty, which is unusual today, but more likely in the future, that is where the burden of dependency comes.
I'm Bill Lawrence. Join me again soon for another big bag of onions. Thank you very much.